And now, our feature presentation, Imitating Art, with Don and Chuck. Well, shall we get into it? We shall. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, and welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Chuck. And I'm Don. And we like to review and dissect movies, see if they have any life lessons worth learning. A little later in this one, we'll be talking about Jordan Peele's Get Out, uh, which great, I great movie, which I think was Don's first time watching it. it was my first time. Yes, I'm uh, late to the party. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but we'll get to that in hopefully about ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you never know. Have you been watching anything lately? Have any updates for us about anything? Um. Well. As for what I've been watching, we well we finished Breaking Bad a while ago. We uh, we kind of went back to watching The Office. We were in season six, and just kind of have been watching that. That's kind of like this the show we put on when we don't have anything else to watch. Um, but we just started The Good Place, nice, uh, which Maya has never seen, and I I believe I've only I, I might have watched the first season or two more than once, but for the most part, I think I've only seen the episodes once, maybe twice. Uh, and definitely haven't seen the later episodes more than once. So I'm excited to get into it again, and I'm already like excited to watch the whole thing with her. Um, and it's just kind of uh, trigger triggering my interest in philosophy again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it, um, it's it'll just do that. A great show. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big fan. Uh, the first two seasons I've probably watched five or six times, mm -hmm. and season three I've probably watched like two, three, four times. Se season four is the only one I've only watched the once. But it's on mm -hmm. Netflix now, so probably at some point I'll I'll watch some more of it. Have you listened to any of the podcasts? I feel like I remember you telling me you did. Oh, yeah, I, I listened to all of the podcasts. You've listened to all of them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm guessing if you listen to all of them, then they're worth, worth listening to? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's great. It's a great like okay. behind-the-scenes look at the show. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I just happened to look it up because I was like, you know, this is the kind of podcast, there. this is the kind of show I would like to see, listen to a podcast about that might dig into the, the philosophical ideas, and I doubt that's what the, uh, yeah, the main NBC podcast did with it, but who knows? I mean, the ba based on who hosts it, I, I, it very well could be. Yeah, no, uh, the podcast doesn't really, I mean, they talk about some of the philosophy and stuff, but that's more... I mean, it depends on who the guest is. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's hosted by Mark Evan Jackson, who plays Sean. Mm -hmm. um, but it's mostly about the the making of the show. And, like, each episode there's a new guest. Sometimes it's one or two of the actors. Sometimes it's, like, a costume designer and or one of the writers. And mm -hmm. it's just a really kind of interesting look at all the aspects of how to make a, a TV show. And The Good Place is a good show to do that with because everyone on that show, like every aspect of that show got so detailed mm -hmm. that like an insane amount of detail that there are so many things that you'll just never see that people put a lot of work into. Like if you went on the set and looked through Chidi's like notebooks, you would just find like, someone had filled that notebook with notes and thoughts and drawings and things. Mm 
So, hmm. like, if it ever fell over and you saw it get opened, or if an actor happened to pick it up as an ad lib and leaf through it, you'd be able to see it. But it just so rarely hmm. happened. But yeah, like everyone was so into making the world down to a T, like real on that show that listening to them talk about it is very interesting. Yeah, they seem like the, a collection of actors who would be very into, or, you know, creators in general, who would be very into putting the show the, the show together based on how good that show was from bottom to top. So, mm -hmm. I yeah, I, I would like to listen to that. I am, but I am still curious, and I might look into to see if anybody has done any kind of podcast or blog or something that delves deeper into the specific uh, tenets of philosophy they talk about in one episode or the other, um, because sometimes having a show or a movie as a jumping off point to uh, a philosophical idea is fun for me. Yeah. Which Although, is why I enjoyed my one philosophy class that was <laughs> philosophy of movies. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, Cheedy does a really good job of pretty much explaining the philosophy within the show. Yeah. Um, it boils it down yeah, pretty well. Like they, they, they had some philosophy consultants to make sure they got everything right. Nice. Um, yeah, so... Anyway, what have, have you been watching anything? Yeah, we've been watching a bunch of stuff. Like we we started Ratchet uh, on, oh, okay. on Netflix. I've seen the I've seen the the preview or this whatever. I've seen the thumbnail, but yeah. don't know anything about it. Well, it's inspired by the character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. Nurse Ratchet. Um, so it's mm -hmm. like her, you know, their take on her backstory, and the show itself is fine. But as I'm watching it, like Alex and I just for the first time watched one flew over the cuckoo's nest a month or two ago. Cause it went up on Netflix before the show came out. And as I'm watching this show, I'm like, this is fine, but this does not seem at all connected like tonally or very much character wise to what we saw in cuckoo's nest. So mm -hmm. it's not that I don't like it. It's just, I'm like, why did you bother making it about this character when you could have just made, a, a fine show without the name attached to it. Right, yeah. Well, I guess to get the certain people interested, I don't know. <laughs> as a, yeah, I guess As so. a, uh, a nod to the character that inspired it. Yeah, maybe. I, well, I assume it's just because they love the character and wanted to do something with it, but mm -hmm. like this has, like One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is really just like a straight drama. And this is, it's got like a noirish crime feel to it. Which just seems like it doesn't connect one-to-one. -one. I feel like uh, at this point, name recognition probably does enough to get just that many more people people to click on the thing and look at it. Uh, especially now that Netflix counts watching two minutes or something as a stream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's Ryan Murphy. It's not like he needs a known property to get people to watch his stuff. Sure, but I guess every bit helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of noir, I, I started to watch the first couple. I started to watch the first episode of Perry Mason. Oh, uh, um, no spoilers. We were just talking last night about how we still need to watch that. Okay. Well, I won't mention who dies then. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I just watched the the beginning of it, um, and I mainly want to watch it because I can't remember his name, the lead actor, um, who was also in Americans. Are in the Americans, and I loved him in the Americans. So um, that's the main reason that I decided to give it a shot. Um, but it's very noirish, so I wasn't 
totally ready to go into that vibe. <laughs> so I didn't, mm-hmm. I did I, I turned, I wasn't in the mood that night, but I am uh, still going to go back and give it a go. Yeah. So we'll have to talk about it once we've both seen it. Yeah, I'm usually ready to go into that vibe. Um, <laughs> but we also watched Hubie Halloween today, mm. the, the new Adam Sandler movie. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's not good, but it's it's fine. Like, it's just a fun, stupid Adam Sandler comedy. It's mm-hmm. I haven't seen Grown Ups or Jack and Jill, but I assume that this is still better. I think I saw Grown Ups. It wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, this is better than The Ridiculous Six and some of Adam Sandler's other comedies that he's made for Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's not better than The Meyerowitz Stories, which is his best one that for was Netflix. Great. But, yeah. I mean, that's the the odd man out as, as far as his well it's also his the Netflix director movies are, yeah uh, <laughs> but um yeah i mean it's fun it's stupid it's sweet it's got a couple references to older adam sandler movies which was fun hmm. nice and it, it was also just the the kind of tone of uh like halloween movie that i've been wanting to watch like, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to watch... I mean, I don't mind horror movies. We haven't watched Blair Witch Project yet. That's probably my favorite one to watch around this time of year. And it Chapter 1. But I just wanted to watch, like, a light-hearted movie that felt like fall so that it could feel like it's October. Yeah, uh, it definitely doesn't feel that way here. <laughs> yeah, well, because to, to me, it just... It almost never feels like Halloween time until the first week of November. Mm-hmm. So... I've been just wanting to watch a bunch of Halloween-related stuff to make it feel a little more like fall. Well, especially now that the uh, Treehouse of Horror uh, episode w- was pushed into November because of sports. Mm. <laughs> I, we won't be getting a Simpsons Halloween episode until November. I still haven't watched too much Simpsons, but uh, when Stefan was here last night, we did end up watching one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Which one? Uh, the one where... Homer makes a deal with the devil uh, okay. for, for a donut. I vaguely remember that one. To sell a soul for a donut. Very much uh, Simpsons premise. Mm-hmm. Well, we should probably take a break and then come on back. We probably should. Talk about something else. <laughs> we'll be right back then. All right. Beep, beep, boop, boop. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, do you think we're back? I, I, I think we're back after <laughs> that's one of the longer breaks we've ever taken. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. It was basically our, our pre-show discussion again. <laughs> With slightly different movies. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, now we can talk about Get Out, which uh, I, much like us, I didn't have any idea. I, you know, I, I always intentionally avoid any spoilers or really any plot information at all on movies um, that I know I want to watch already. I don't need to know any more about it. I already know I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just took me so long to actually watch these movies, but I didn't have any idea what to expect, and I was, I was, I was very impressed with us as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a little bit more of in the vein of what I was expecting, at least tone-wise, horror movie mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. This one was definitely, like, total surprise, like, completely different type of movie than I 
had any idea what it was going to be about or what it was going to be like. So um, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's a great movie. And I, I agreed with what you just said after the first time watching it, where it felt like a sort of different type of horror movie and it didn't, because it doesn't really feel like a horror movie the first time you watch it. Yeah. Like you wonder, you understand why it's tense and scary for the main character as, you know, being like the only black person in this group of white people who don't think they're racist, but have all this underlying racism that -hmm. just makes everything awkward. Like it's not overt, uh, like violent, vehement racism, but you know, it's there below the surface and it just makes things weird. Um, and that's what it felt like, but with scary music behind everything. Um, but once you get to the twist at the end, watching it the second time, I was like, okay, this feels like a horror movie because I know what everything Mm -hmm. means and I know how menacing all of this stuff actually is. Yeah. It, if I were not a white person, it may have been that menacing the first time I watched it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but since, since I am a white person, it, it took the second viewing to get there. Right. Yeah. It was just, but it you know it's very unique and well done and uh, I, one of the things I appreciated in both of those of the movies uh, are is that so many of the ten scenes take place in broad daylight like in the brightest scenes possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that there's so much tension that happens and it's not all like scary things happening in the dark. <laughs> so um, yeah, and it's more about the feeling and like the way the way people treat each other than it is about like jump scares and creepiness out there that you can't see. It's more about what you can see. Yeah. Yeah. There's really only one jump scare in get out and it's, it's right at the beginning when they hit the deer. Yeah. I think the only thing, the only scene that kind of paid off that building tension made you jump in the end was when he was walking quietly through the house and the music was kind of building and then the 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 housemaid Georgina. walked. Georgina walked across the back, and I was like, "Oh, yep, there she is." Yep. <laughs> you were just waiting for somebody to come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene too. Yeah, um, pretty much all the scenes in this movie are good, and they're really well acted. Mm-hmm. Just starting from the first scene where it's uh oh, what, what's that actor's name? He's in uh, Knives Out. Uh, I've only seen that once. <laughs> I've seen it twice, but I can't remember the actor's name. Sorry, actor. Uh, you're really great in both movies. Um, who does he play? In Knives Out? No, in this movie. Oh, the guy who gets abducted in the first scene. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to open a horror movie, uh, there are a lot of horror movies that want to start with a scary scene, but one of the simplest scary scenarios you can ever have is you're walking down the street alone. There's one car on the street. It goes by you, then turns around and comes back in your direction. And I completely understand his immediate reaction of like, Nope. Motherfucker. (laughs) Nope. I'm turning around. (laughs) I'm going somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I also appreciate that, uh, they start off right away with, like, this is just the suburbs, which, you know, your general white family would consider a safe neighborhood, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you, uh, you're already in a scene where most 
people that would be, uh, you know, in that living in that neighborhood would probably be considering it the very safe neighborhood. They wouldn't think twice about walking around the block at night. Mm-hmm. But then you have this black character in a white suburban neighborhood walking around trying to find a house, and there's nobody else on the street except for this one car. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, that, that that's another thing. Even though it was in the dark, it still like set a scene in a an otherwise safe area. Yeah. Uh, I agree, although I do have to say, as a white person, if I'm walking down even a nice area alone at dark, if that car turns around and starts coming back in my direction, I I start freaking out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. Same. (laughs) There's no reason for that car to do that. Nope. (laughs) I don't care if you're in an emergency. Just, I don't don't want (laughs) to see you or talk to you. Go away. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you noticed, but the song playing when the car door opens, it's like Run, Rabbit, Run. And so mm-hmm. now I want to know what Jordan Peele's thing with rabbits is. Because <laughs> now both movies have opened with rabbit. If we, have, if we get a third, when we get a third, uh, we'll have to see if there's another rabbit reference. And then we'll be like, all right, well, now there's something yeah. we need to look into. Like, does, <laughs> does he just think rabbits are scary? Because... Apparently they can be. Alex has talked about how her sister used to have a pet rabbit when they were younger, and it was just like a, a hell hair. Like it was. <laughs> That's a great name for it. It was um, not good people. <laughs> I feel like rabbits are well known as like test subjects of, um, you know, like. For, like makeup for one thing, but I mean they're like animal test subjects in scientific experiments. Sure, that's true. So maybe it has some reference to the fact that both these movies have to do with people fucking around with uh, with with people scientifically. I don't know. Maybe it it certainly could. Oh, by the way, it they, feels more that way in the other one. There's going to be spoilers if if you if you want to watch Get Out and haven't already, you should absolutely not listen to this first because the spoilers, like the twist, makes the movie even better. Yeah. And it makes it even better watching it the second time. Yeah, yeah, don't... Yeah, this is a movie you definitely want to watch before you listen to anything else about it. Um, but if you haven't seen it, and you're still listening for some reason, just simply put, the movie is about a, a guy named Chris. He's a young African-American guy. His girlfriend is white. And he's... Like, they're going to her family's uh, place for the weekend, and it's just him basically meeting her family for the weekend, and all the, the tension that comes from that. Um, yeah. That's, until you get to the twist at the end, that's really kind of all it is. It's, yeah. it's him just trying to navigate this weekend because then a lot of, like, the family friends show up for, uh, like, a, par- a garden party and it just gets weirder and more awkward for them. And yeah. Yeah, I feel like the, the, the tension came not from anything really scary except for just the awkwardness of meeting your girlfriend's family and being around a bunch of white people as a black person. <laughs> so it's like uh, that the tension all drew from that. Like, well, you were waiting for something to happen and there was weirdness starting, but it was nothing overtly dangerous or scary. Yeah. Um, and it does a really good job of, like, portraying... I, I assume it's a really good job of portraying the awkwardness of being, like, the, the only black person in a place full of white people that you basically mm-hmm. can't get away from. Um, 
And part of the reason I assume that is because when I'm watching all the white people around him, I'm like, I, even though I think of myself as an ally, I could see myself saying some of these stupid things and, Mm -hmm. you know, and being like the awkward white person. Because as I've Mm -hmm. said before, it's unfortunately ingrained in us to a certain degree just from the society that we live in and the media that we consume. Um, I don't think we'd be compl- like as completely foot on the gas off, you know, completely tone deaf no, as some no, of these no, people no. by saying something like, oh, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could, <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> even if it's true. Which is, I mean, that's a great joke because it got set up by her earlier yeah. saying that <laughs> he, he, he would love to tell you this and he will. Um, but yeah, like we wouldn't be like, uh, show us your golf swing. I love Tiger. Yeah, but and and you know what? And I, I not to explain that bit of racism away, but Tiger Tiger was is still pretty much regarded as one of the best golfers of all time. So like, if you start talking about golf and you were a professional golfer, he's probably going to come up. <laughs> yeah, but especially if you know the guy, it's the tone of way that he mentions no, it to the only other black person he can see. Of course, but you wouldn't like go up to him. Not, not not that this person did it, someone else did, but go up to him and, like, feel his muscles. Uh, well, oh. we know why he was, they were doing that now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But <laughs> it seems like something an awkward, racist white person might do around a black person. Yeah, um, black's in fashion now, you know. Or, or, being, or, like, turning to the girlfriend and being like, is it true that it's better? And he was like, wow, Yeah. okay. So so, so was she. And that's one of the great things is the, the way she plays her character the entire time is, is really great. Yeah. I feel like watching it again, it's going to be like, you know, now with your eyes open as to what's happening, I, I feel like I'm going to be reading the characters so much differently. Yeah, but she still does a very convincing job. It's just that you're oh, yeah. like, I know you're lying. Yeah. But, Basically, but it still like, feels really... real. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, when I found out at the end, like I saw it coming very shortly before it happened. Once he sees I was the like, pictures, but even once you see the pictures, you're like, but maybe... Yeah, exactly, yeah, because not, nothing that she did in her portrayal of that character made me suspicious of her at all. Yeah, um, so I just watched uh, Lessons from the Screenplay, did a video on Get Out a while ago, and I, mm-hmm. I hadn't watched it, but I finally got around to watching it last night. And they mm-hmm. played a little clip of Jordan Peele giving an interview where Jordan Peele was like, apparently at one point it was going to be revealed in the beginning that she was in on all of this. But he was like thinking about all the people that were going to be seeing his movie and how many of them were probably going to be white. And he was like, you know, I bet I could fool these people into thinking that the one white person who seems good is going to stay good. He was like, Universal yeah. wouldn't let the one good white person become a bad guy at the end, would they? <laughs> he was like, but we did. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, I, I like that it started off with like the fear of the parents being racist or whatever, but then transformed into, okay, they're just like, awkwardly racist like they're yeah they're 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 accidentally racist while trying to be their best selves yeah i I don't want to say harmlessly racist but um it's 
more. But I mean, for people in their people just who are like probably ignorance. late fifties and sixties is probably more like yeah, they're they're ignorant, but they're trying. Yeah, yeah, it's just like ignorance and some like ingrained biases. Yeah. Although, and there's definitely some self awareness there when Bradley Whitford is like, I know what you're thinking. White family, black home housekeepers. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, um, though to be fair, all of that is fake anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Well, it, but I mean, coming coming at it from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's not all fake. Yeah. Things. I mean, the, the only thing that's fake is that they don't tell them what they're doing. But right. It, it, so who knows how much of the rest of it is really just a performance? But that this. Well, I mean, as it turns out, their grandma and grandpa are black people now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not racist. My grandpa is black <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, so, but the, just the stark difference of the girlfriend, whose name I can't remember, um, between... Sarah? Poss- no. Possibly. What you think of her the entire movie, and then, like, the last 20 minutes where she turns, the Rose. huge... Uh, yes. But the huge difference between those two personalities, maybe it is just a performance from the entire family. The brother is probably yeah. the same. I, I hate yeah, that, that brother. Fucking, he's such a creep. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I think I wrote it down as something like, I don't know, like, he's he's so hateable, but I don't know if it's like, I love to hate him, or if I just <laughs> hate him. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't like him. <laughs> I think I just hate him. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it was weird. And I and one of the things that started tipping, uh, tipping Chris off was the way people were moving and acting. I like that in this movie and Us, uh, both they both have that kind of weird human body movement that really s- makes you like squirm a little bit. Cause, yeah, like, people aren't supposed to move like that. Yeah, it's too smooth. As a side note, just because I'm thinking about it now, I think I sent it to you already. But the the Reddit post where somebody said that Trump is just uh, three children in a trench coat yeah. standing on <laughs> each other's shoulders with tiny hands. Uh, but the part where he said, that, oh, that, that must be why he stands like the front half of a centaur yeah. just cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. Um, I didn't respond, but I, 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 I did think that was funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, just the way, I, I like the way that Jordan Peele uses body movement as like a way to like a little bit of a tip off that people are not quite right. Yeah, and just the way they smile is yeah. so... Oh man, especially the grandfather... The, the, the male housekeeper, yeah. yard keeper, whatever you want to call him, he was Walt, like, his smile was like wonderful. Like his big, j- big smile was just so creepy. Yeah. Yeah, he did a good job with like that. Like they, because the, I think we see three people who have gotten the surgery and it's Georgina, Walter, and whatever the other guy's name is. I can't remember what they called him. Um, uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure his real name oh. is Lakeith Stenfield, something like that. Um, yeah, what's he from? Is he from uh, no, no, Atlanta? No, that's the guy I'm talking about who was in uh, Knives Out. The the, Wal- oh. the Walter guy, I don't I don't remember. I don't know that He is in Atlanta. That, that's where I know him from, Lakeith okay, Stenfield. Yeah. He's, he's in Atlanta. He's okay. great. Yeah, I, I know him from Knives Out. But nice. anyway... Uh, but they all just do a really good job of having that, like, dead-eyed, wide smile, mm-hmm. which is so unnerving. When there's, when you have a top half of face and bottom half of face that are misaligned in tone, <laughs> that's 
That's yeah. one of the creepiest things. Yeah, it's like Super Mario 3 when you line up the top half of the mushroom, but you get the star at the bottom. It's like, yeah, ah, yeah. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely like a Uncanny Valley era, area. It's strange. Yeah, I could, I could see marinating a chicken in that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the things I also noticed, I'm noticing all the similarities between this and us, but like there's this uh, idea of control in this movie as well. Um, where mm -hmm. the the mom takes Chris in and just like starts hypnotizing him under the guise of hypnotizing him to stop smoking, but like there's just this point where she's like just decided she has the the right to hypnotize someone and change them for her own means, which you don't know until later. I mean, you kind of suspect some of the stuff, obviously, yeah, because the hypnotizing session gets pretty up. creepy, yeah. But, but, like, it's like, oh, is she really just trying to stop him from smoking because her daughter's around him? She was being super pushy about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. But did you notice that she was priming him earlier in the movie? Because no. when they first were talking about hip hypnotizing uh, him, she had, like, a, an iced tea glass or something, and she was, like, tapping the glass with her, with her spoon. And there was, no, like, a close-up of her doing it. And so like, like oh. and like, it draws his attention to it, and then, so it was just like that was like the priming of her using that as her focal point for hypnotizing. But we should talk about the the hypnotism scene because yeah, that I will say going going back and watching it again, I feel like there's going to be a lot of stuff that stands out to me where I'm like, oh, this is some foreshadowing right here. Yeah, um, but just the. The performances of both um, Catherine Keener and uh, Daniel Kaluuya um, in the the hypnotism scene are really really amazing. Um, yeah, just like her as like the the calm and collected puppet master, but him as like struggling to hold his emotions in but being unable to because they're being forced out through hypnotism like yeah. that can't have been an easy scene for him to act and apparently he was really good at getting the single teardrop to fall down his eye and every time they needed him to do that he could um, nice. but that that scene probably is what helped secure his Oscar nomination <laughs> Yeah, um, and I, I mean, there's so much subtlety to his performance there, which is fantastic. You you can see his like, so there's so much just in his face where she's trying to get him to sit there, and he's like, not hypnotized yet, but he's like, I'm trying to be polite. This is my girlfriend's mother. Uh, I don't really want to talk about this. All right, finally, I'll say something, and then like it goes on from there. But mm -hmm. he, there's so much in his facial expressions during that scene. Yeah, like you can see the helplessness in his face when he's yeah talking and not wanting to be talking and then yeah losing control that's what i mean like yeah. he's, he's being controlled <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's a very creepy and powerful scene mm -hmm. it's probably the most horrific scene until you get to the end and see what they're actually doing yeah there's just, there was a lot of good a lot of good stuff that happens to that to build up from there when you realize like there's some weird shit going on but then he wakes up in the next in the next morning and it's like well is he just cured of smoking? What happened? Like, obviously, this is going to play a part going forward, but I still don't know what it is. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, 
I, be, being a first time watcher, I appreciated being able to have that like tension as well. You know, you only get to watch it for the first time once. So yeah. I was trying to hold on to, to every, every little thing. Yeah. That's especially if it's a good movie, you only get to watch it for the first time once. Right. Because if it's a really good movie, even if you wait seven years to watch it again, you as soon as you turn <laughs> it on, you'll be like, Oh yeah, this, this, this. Um, yeah. because yeah. the good ones really have a way of, of sticking in your mind for the most part. Yep. I have lucked into rewatching a movie again for the first time and only remembering like the end, which is still mm -hmm. bad enough, but still being able to be like, Oh yeah, I forgot this happens. Um, that's why I, well, I guess that's one of the reasons that I do appreciate movies that not only have good stories, but also have good, like great performances and cinematography because I can still enjoy the experience again, and I'll probably notice things I didn't notice the first time mm -hmm. uh, watching through it again. So, um, so a movie like this, you, I could definitely see myself rewatching multiple times. Yeah, um, I'm glad I I watched it again. Uh, I've wanted to watch it again anyway, but I'm glad mm -hmm. we I got to have an, an excuse. excuse to watch it because I probably wouldn't have made myself watch it again right now. Did you happen to notice that? Uh, I assume Microsoft was a sponsor of some, <laughs> yes, <laughs> some point uh, here. Well, uh, I'm like, who has a Windows phone? <laughs> well, I didn't see the Windows phone, but I, of course, saw the, the Microsoft Surface was his laptop because that's what Alex yeah. and I use. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Microsoft thing, he had... Uh, there, was a, there was another Windows reference at some point that I noticed before I saw the Surface. Um, but, I saw, but the Windows phone was the first thing that caught my eye, and I was like... Windows Phone, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody must have funded this movie. Um, yeah, well, this was like 2012, maybe, something 14? like that. Somewhere around there. It was, you know, the Windows it Phone was, was almost still a thing. 17. This was, this can't have been 2017. Was this 2017? That's what it says. Wow. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so, I th and I know they discontinued the Windows Phone a few years ago, so, I mean, it might have still... Potent, it's, still, it's still possible it was a thing in 2017. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember my friend who worked for Microsoft trying to get me to buy into the Microsoft phone thing years ago mm -hmm. and saying it was the best phone. And I was like, yeah, but there's so many app designers that don't make apps for it. So yeah. it can't be that good. Yeah, well, it doesn't um, matter if it's the best. If no one's buying it, then it's not going to get yeah. support <laughs> and it's going to end up being crappy. Yeah. Um, I, do, I do. I liked right away in the movie that uh, Chris was a photographer and like he had like, he was well known he was at least somewhat of well known in the photo scene all his photos are black and white mm. which you know it's not uncommon and it's not uncommon for an artistic photographer especially a 35 millimeter film photographer to use black and white but if you're looking for a metaphor in the the kind of images he captures having things just be black and white could definitely be something you could pull out of there. Sure. And, um, and I'm sure it at least crossed Jordan Peele's mind. Yeah. And one of the photos, one of the first photos I saw, and I, I think I saw, I think we saw it more than once, was the one of the bird flying away in the alley. Like it's looking up and there's just the big picture of a bird like flying up and away with the wings spread. Hmm. And I don't know how much to, to read into that, but like just the idea of this like a bird escaping or being able to fly away from a situation kind of right. made me wonder if there was a symbolism in that. But uh, Probably. I feel like the, photograph the photography thing and his his eye for, for, for detail really comes into play 
uh, quite a bit throughout the movie. Yeah, and then he even uses the the camera to like watch people. Right. Yeah, and actually, yeah, well, yeah, he uses the camera to watch people, and his, the camera on his phone or the flash on his phone yeah. becomes a central uh, element in the story. Yeah, it ends up becoming which wakes what, the people up from this from this like hypnotism. Yeah, and it's what it, it's what saves them in the end. Um, but yeah. sp- speaking of him being a photographer, uh, about halfway, three quarters through the movie, he he meets a character played by Stephen Root, who is famously played Milton in Office Space, and he's been in a, a ton of movies, but mm-hmm. he's the, the blind guy. But I just, in a movie like this, I feel like as soon as Steven Root shows up, I feel like some shit is going to go down at some point. <laughs> like, yes. because when he's in, like, darker movies, he always ends up being, like, fairly evil. And Was he in, was he in Independence Day? No. Okay. Not, not that I remember. I don't know what I'm thinking of then. He was in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I never saw where, that. Where he also plays a blind guy, actually. <laughs> Believe Type it or not. Cast. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, just a ton of stuff. He's a character actor. He's great, pretty much, in, in everything. Um, but he's he's the only one who really doesn't care that Chris is black mm-hmm. he just cares that chris because he, he, he's an art dealer but has no real talent for art himself so he's just jealous that this person has a working eyes and b can can use them in a in a very artistic way that he, he's never been able to do himself um yeah and I think he even says later in the movie he could care less that Chris is black. It doesn't matter to him. Yeah, I like... I mean, I, I first of all, I like the idea of a blind photographer um, mm-hmm. or a blind artist um, sure. right away. It's like a deaf but composer. Also, yeah, <laughs> Who, who's ever heard of that? <laughs> um, and uh, definitely not him. But uh, the idea of the blind photographer or the blind guy being the one who is like colorblind you know like yeah. he's, he doesn't care if he's black or white um and it also i think and i don't remember if he actually says the words but at one point he mentions that all he wants is to be able to see through your eyes mm-hmm. um and that really and i feel like that that thought that idea is really like a big central theme to this whole film like seeing through other people's eyes literally in this case where he wants to be in the body he wants his brain in the body of someone who has working vision, but being able to see the whole movie through this black character's eyes in this sea of white people, <laughs> you know, that's a big, that's a, that's a huge thing that happens in this whole film. I am super embarrassed that I didn't catch that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I usually catch that sort of thing, but somehow on this one, it just slipped right by me. As soon as he said, I want to see through your eyes, and I was like, I, I, I kept thinking about it, and then when I was finding out what's happening in the end, I was like, so the whole this whole movie, we're seeing what it's like to be the only black guy that's at this, you know, gathering, you know, if you're looking at the bigger picture of what the movie might mean in the for, with the black experience, it's like, what's it like to be amongst all these potentially racist white people? <laughs> mm-hmm. Not not um, just potentially. Yes. <laughs> 
before I guess they have potential before you meet them and then they live up to their potential. Yes. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I really I really liked that whole thing and I, I was looking out for wherever him as a photographer because it seemed like there was meaning behind him being someone who has like an eye and looking out for detail. So I like the I like that they use that theme throughout and uh, and then again like it was his camera it was the camera on his phone that ended up triggering uh lakeith lakeith is that is that his name i'm pretty, um, I'm pretty sure yeah it was lakeith stanfield uh his character comes out of his like trance because once so basically what's happening is the brains of these people have been transplanted into younger bodies who all happen to be black in the in this uh scenario right now and uh they're really in kind of this trance-like state because not all of them is still really there and they uh are somehow taken out of that when you see this flash they try to play it off as like a um, epilepsy or something mm -hmm. but really they're just coming out of the trance they're actually able to come into their own brain for a few moments long enough to like grab Chris and say get out like get out of here it's not safe yeah um, but he doesn't know what's happening so he doesn't leave right away yeah. and it, that moment is actually great because as long as they're playing it off as the flash bothers him because he has epilepsy. Um, then getting pissed off and yelling, get out at the person who did that to you. Like that also makes sense. Yeah. But of course that's not what he meant. It's plausible enough <laughs> that, that he's, there's still suspicions and not any concrete evidence of anything specific going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we haven't talked about Rod yet. And I feel like we need to talk about Rod at some point because he's such a great character. Um, yeah. He's, like, he <laughs> there's very little comic relief in this movie. So <laughs> just those few scenes where Chris calls his best friend Rod, who is looking after his dog while he's away for the weekend, and telling him all the weird stuff he's seeing. And Rod is technically giving him good advice but doing it in the most kind of stupid way possible of just yelling at him and coming up with what sound like batshit theories <laughs> um yeah and what seems to not be making sense to be fair this is probably something he does all the time and is usually wrong about yeah so uh, like I mean it's not like I would be listening to him if if he were my friend and ever calling him and telling him this, but the fact that he's right about a lot of it, but just his whole character just made me laugh every time he was on screen. Yeah. Speaking of comic relief, when he goes to the police and says, I think I have my friend, you know, my friend has been kidnapped by white people and is being used as a sex slave. I like that the detective brings in two other detectives and Stoneface tells, has him tell the story again. And then it waits until the very end for them all to start cracking up and laughing at him. Mm -hmm. uh, that was just a great. That was a great way to just kind of break up some of the tension in that scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love Rod, um, and the way he kind of starts figuring everything out at the end and ends up being able to save Chris and yeah. and finally like do his you know TSA duty of, of helping somebody. Yeah. Like, this is uh, like a. Uh, advertisement for the TSA here. Yeah, a little bit. 
Um, <laughs> oh, one thing uh, I think we skipped over is that scene where Chris is confronting Georgina and asks her, you know, like is trying to uh, commiserate with her about being around all these white people and like the real Georgina starts poking through a little bit and but um the the grandmother persona ends up you know fighting back and, and coming back that yeah the way that actress plays that scene is like heartbreaking and creepy and it's just so many things kind of like the the hypnotism scene it's just so many things just simultaneously on one person's face and mm-hmm. I just thought that was just another amazing performance in this movie. Yeah, one of many. Yeah. Um, well, so once they um, once they've kidnapped, or once they've taken Chris down to the basement to lock him up and prepare him for the procedure, like it seems like he was locked he was locked up down there for a while. It seemed like mm-hmm. um, waiting for the procedure, but I mean, yeah. you know, he's chained up he's locked up you know he's uh sitting there staring at the deer Mm -hmm. the trophy (laughs) on the wall like which is kind of what he is in a way too and you know obviously the obvious chains of slavery there Mm -hmm. but also the what's going to be like a new type of slavery where they're using black people as surrogates for their brains so they don't have to die with no regard for the the people who embody these body these bodies in the first place, you know. Yep. Um, and like just the the idea of locked in syndrome or like being not being in control of your own body, but being able to maybe see what's happening is like kind of a terrifying thought oh, for me. Absolutely. For sure. It's it's, uh, it's like being buried alive. Yeah, or it's like being in a coma but being aware, like that. Yeah. It sounds like the worst thing I could imagine. Yeah, kind of like how us was about. Also, one of the scariest things you can imagine, which is a home invasion. This, just yeah. just being able to see through your eyes, but not control anything you're doing. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then, like, I, get, I understand at the end uh, where uh, the grandfather character wakes up. What's, it, what you, what's his name I again? think it's Walter. Walter, okay. So, yes, once Walter comes out and he uses the flash to wake him up for a second. Yeah. He gets the gun. He has enough, like, lucidity to get the gun away from, from Rose, Rose yeah. and then shoot Rose to kill her and then shoot himself. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense because he knows he's going to tra- He's gonna f- switch back to the other persona, you know, yep. real quick. So he's like, he's got to end it right now. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, yeah. I also want to say that, take a drink, that just before the reveal of, of what they're doing by, you know, abducting black people and putting older white people's brains inside their bodies, the fact that they do, they just do a really good job of making you think that it's just hypnotizing people and making them into slaves. Yeah. Um, just the, the creepiness of the like the house workers uh and just the the memorableness of the of the hypnotism scene like it just all makes sense so the fact that they make you they do a good job of making you think one thing and then just 
pulling the rug out from yeah. under you and being like, oh, that's even more fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's a great misdirect. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and the fact that that's what Rod keeps telling Chris is like, they're hypnotizing <laughs> yeah. people into sex slaves. It's what they do. <laughs> He's a... Uh, uh, I just watched the first episode of The Good Place, so I'm already I'm thinking of the guy who was like, uh, Christianity got a lot right, Judaism got a lot right, Islam got a lot right. Uh-huh. Oh, but uh, Doug, whatever his name Doug was, uh, he got 92%. Yeah. <laughs> he got, he's the closest in 1972. Yeah. Um, Him and his friends got, got high. So, so Rod, Rod is the Doug Forsett of, of this movie. Yeah. He was so close with the sex slave thing. Yep. Yeah, I, and then, so they, they bring him down and all is revealed about what they do. And I like that they, it's almost a little sloppy, but they do give like the little story reason for this is why we're explaining it to you. It's that if we can both agree on what the purpose right. of this is, then, then Symb- the, symbiosis works yeah, better. Yeah, the process will take a lot, a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. And again, just another great performance by Daniel Kaluuya, where he's like figuring it out and taking it all in, and again, just looks stuck. Emotionally. I don't know if it'd be worse. I don't know if it'd be if it's worse to go into locked in syndrome or whatever, something like that, without knowing, or like if the terror of knowing it's about to happen to you while you still have control of your body, knowing you can't do anything about it, like just imagine what it would be like to just know it's about to happen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the terror is going to happen either way, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a better option. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think either is is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's great, uh, and it's and it's and I actually I'm actually already like in- interested in watching it again just to look into whatever what else I find or what else I see. But like just the idea of enslaving people again, you know, enslaving black people in a different way because these affluent white people believe that they deserve to live forever basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the expense of young black people so um very much in in the vein of (laughs) old slavery yeah and kind of like us capitalism wise they they have the money so yeah so what's it matter to them they don't care about what's happening to the the people they just care about what they can do with their money I, one problem I did have the first time, and I had it again this time, was that the way that um, Chris ends up getting away, because again, he's a smart dude, is that he knows that they're going to hypnotize him again, and that she, uh, she uses the sound of the teaspoon, so he puts, you know, in both hypnotism scenes, he's like scraping his nails on the chair arms, but this is a soft chair, so it's got stuffing in it, and he's like scraping uh, the the stuffing out of the chair. Yeah. And he he knows he's gonna get hypnotized again, so he puts the stuffing in his ear. But it didn't seem like his arms had enough clearance. Yeah. To I get the to same his thing. ear. I was like, maybe he was able to move his head down far enough. I, I had the same thought though. I mean. You can't show it because it's a fun surprise that that's how he got away, and so you don't yeah. want to set that up. But I guess you also can't show it because 
it would have been really difficult for him to do. Mm. I mean, he's quite motivated, so he might ha- might have found a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and then sort of the real fun begins because as, as as much as violence can be too much sometimes, and sometimes you're like, do we really need a bunch of killing in a movie? But sometimes the characters deserve it so much yeah. <laughs> that seeing the person that they've been fucking over the entire movie just clobber them in the yeah. head with shit is so satisfying. Yeah. And you understand, like, you understand that feeling of, like, vengeance and just, like, I need, you know, I want to bash your face in yeah. with something. Yeah, and no one's nearly done anything like this to me, so I, I can only imagine. Um, also, side note, when you see the actual grandpa in the video, the, the old white guy, Mm-hmm. He was in an episode of Quantum Leap, the episode Future Boy, great episode. Uh, mm. I always like pointing out when people were in episodes of Quantum Leap. Alex <laughs> can attest to that. Uh, and now we can continue. Uh. Oh, the, the, the last thing I was going to say was that uh, I, I liked that the the, uh, the next misdirect at the end where uh, Rose is lying there in the driveway dying, and then you see the police car and the lights come on, and there's enough of a lull there to where you're like like when Chris is standing up you're like oh shit after all this some white cop's gonna get out of this car and shoot him yeah well because <laughs> like, that's what I thought they set it up with the white cop in the beginning who was asking for his yeah. ID even though he wasn't driving yep. um, so you're just ready for that but then Rod comes out to save the day yeah. from behind yeah, the, the flashing lights yeah the door opens and you see it says like airport or whatever TSA <laughs> yeah. and you're like all right <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> and I like that Chris just, like, gets in the car and just, like... Yeah. He's just, like, hunched over, and, like, Rod's talking to him, and Chris is talking back, but he's just, like... You can tell he just has no energy anymore. He's just Yeah, I was going to say, he, he can finally... He can finally actually relax. Yeah. <laughs> after so much that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, but during that whole sequence at the end uh, of Chris breaking out and killing all these super evil people him taking the deer head off the wall and using the antlers to <laughs> stab uh bradley whitford's character yeah i think that's who we Dad- killed with it um Dadly whitford yeah. yeah it was you know horror movies always try to have cool deaths and i, I just thought that was a cool horror movie death Definitely, I appreciated the use of whatever he could get his hands on, and that seemed like it was pointy. <laughs> and then, I think it's, is it the mom? Someone picks up scissors and starts using the scissors as a weapon, and I was like, holy shit, scissors hmm. again. I don't think I noticed so that. So Jordan Peele no. likes scissors, and he likes rabbits. And rabbits. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember exactly the context of the scissors. I just have the note that says, scissors again, exclamation point. <laughs> uh, should put that on a shirt. Yeah. Also, I like that they show how how much of a true psychopath Rose is by showing the way she eats Fruit Loops. Like eats it in half. She, yeah, that? she like she puts them in her mouth one at a time and then takes a sip of milk. Oh, I saw she bit one. Yeah, half. yeah. She she bit one in like, half as well. Who takes a bite of a single Fruit Loop? <laughs> yeah, but she she eats them dry and then sips the milk. Yeah, that's the psycho thing to a do. True psycho. But I mean, man. Yeah, that's how you know. Yeah. <laughs> Give him some cereal. 
Um, yeah, we should probably take a break and then come back. I agree. We'll do the lesson thing. BRB. We're back again. Yep, back again with another Let's talk about lesson. Lessons. Yeah. Um. Well, I think we already hit on the biggest one, which is just seeing things from from other people's perspective. Yeah. Um, which is not a super easy thing for us white people to do, as as much as we try. Um, yeah. And I know, I'm sure both of us try to do that. Um, yeah. But I'm sure that there are also plenty of people who think we don't do that because we're not, we're probably not super great at it all the time. Um, well, that's the thing. No matter how hard you try, we are, we're inherently going to have some blind spots because we, you, we can't objectively experience what it's like to be a black person in the world or in America or wherever they are. We can't put ourselves literally in their body and see what it's like <laughs> to spend to spend a full day with this like passive racism that happens, you know, where people will just say things like, "Oh, I know Tiger" or "Oh, nice muscles." Is it is <laughs> has it uh, is it true it's better with a black guy? You know, like just the that the, you know they, he spends one afternoon there and they all say so much stuff to him where you just see him roll his eyes or go like wow really okay yeah <laughs> or he'll just let it roll off his back because he's heard it so many times yeah uh, it, it's also I think important to note that they don't the ones who get this procedure don't actually get to experience racism because they just stay in their little like their bubble yeah in their bubble where everyone knows that this is yeah. a white person's brain and a black person's body and treat them as if they were their old self um, yeah which I guess is nice that there are these black people that are getting treated like regular, just everybody else. But mm. it's not, it, it's not, <laughs> well, it would be nice if they didn't have this procedure done. Yes. <laughs> if it were, if it were well, their actual personalities. Right. But, exactly. but what I'm saying is the people who are getting this procedure done don't have the worry of racism or actually having to see something through someone else's eyes like it's just not a concern to them they're just yeah. rich white people who don't have to go anywhere or do anything right um i'm sure i've told you some of these specific stories before but this is one of the reasons why like i feel like movies like this are important and the movie listening like listening to your friends listening to your friends uh tell you what they experience is important as well and like getting those stories that's why the me too movement was important mm -hmm. you know for for women that's why like black lives matter is important to to hear what people go through on a normal basis that is something we literally don't have to think about and we you know it, it's easy to kind of put it out of your mind when it's not something you have to deal with on a regular basis um you don't have to worry about walking through a suburban neighborhood at night <laughs> you don't have to walk you don't have to worry about 
you know, encountering a police officer, other than the normal stuff that happens with police officers, you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. potentially getting shot when you get pulled over for speeding, um, for the most part. Um, but this is why it's important when you, you know, you have friends and they tell you these things, and I appreciate hearing them things as much as they horrify me when somebody tells me, this is how somebody treated me, this is the experience I've had with police, or like I was told to, one of my friends told me she went into a bar in Pennsylvania with two of her friends and the bartender, it was basically a record scratch and the bartender basically said, uh, you guys should probably go. <laughs> and it was like, what, wait, that's, that, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I never, I've never experienced that. I've never seen it in person. So it's something that I don't know about until I'm told about it. And, you know, it's easy to sometimes think we have moved on from certain things and then you hear oh no this happened last month (laughs) and you really kind of start to it all kind of comes into focus that there's still a lot of work to be done yeah um yeah and it's it's not just listening it's like taking it in and again just trying to even though they're telling it from their perspective it's trying to feel it from their perspective yeah, because, you know, check your privilege. Yeah, because I feel like there are a lot of people out there right now who are hearing these stories and just not caring. Um, yeah. And partially because they're not doing that, or they think that they are doing that, but what they're really doing is saying, but that's not a big problem. Um, right. Just to put to take some of those mental blocks down, and mm-hmm. because... We as humans are really good at preventing ourselves from caring about other people. Yeah. And part of the way we do that is by telling ourselves that we do care about other people, but we're only thinking of our own interpretation of things. Right. Yeah, so listening to other people's experiences is very important. Uh, yeah. but it, sol- Solipsism is real. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but again, it's op- opening your mind to it and... Mm-hmm. Accepting not just your eyes. Yeah, accepting the fact that you might be wrong about something. Yeah, is tough, but it's kind of necessary. Yeah, we. I know. I mean, you and I also. Even with just this podcast, we have we've decided after a short look at our first eight episodes, we were like, okay, we've been just talking about a bunch of white guys who don't get the girl. Yeah, we need we need to start looking at art made by. Uh, women and people of color and people that aren't us. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, um, and I and I really like where it's gone since then. Me too, because this podcast isn't just about talking about movies; it's about learning from them as well. So, yeah, it's just the the more we can learn from people who aren't us, because we're not learning as much from the people who are just like us. Because we already yeah. know all the stuff from Good Will Hunting. We already know all the stuff from Say Anything and High Fidelity because yeah. we've already been through similar shit. Yeah, I mean, the whole point, you know, one of, the, one of the great things about fiction is being able to put yourself in the experience of someone that you're not. Mm-hmm. It's a great, fiction is great to be able to relate to a character in a way uh, like High Fidelity or something where you can say, see yourself in some of these characters. But being able to put yourself into the mind of another character that you have nothing in common with and empathize with that character is a a big deal as well. Yeah. Well, but 
pretty much everyone, though, can probably put themselves at least a little bit in, in Chris's place. We've all been dating someone and had to meet their parents. Um, right. Which is why, like, that's, that's how it works. You Once you start putting yourselves into the shoes of someone you think is completely different from you, you start to see the similarities. Yeah. But you also get to see why the differences matter. Right. Like, you get to see, like, when you watch Chris meet uh, Rose's parents, and even though, again, it's all a charade, but seeing the differences between the way a black person might be going through that same experience is just eye-opening, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it was, you know, le- le- seeing that thing that you can empathize with or you can see the similarity in is where you get to see, like, that base root of, look, we're all human, we're all going through the same thing, a lot of us have the same fears, like, then you get all the social stuff on top of that, that piles on, and you see where it becomes different, something that might seem simple for you, or even something that might seem hard for you, is compounded in this situation for Chris. Yeah, well, it's like that whole argument about, um privilege right where people are like well i don't have privilege i've struggled that no one's saying you haven't struggled it's yeah, everything's relative but there are people who are struggling more simply because of how they look like it's yeah it's the same but it's different and we should worry right. about why it's different right and it's it's kind of like the old uh gay marriage argument where it's like how is someone else getting rights taking away from your rights? It's not. But that's the way they frame it. They're mm-hmm. like, if if these people are able to get married, then what's next? It's destroying our society and all that. Like, <laughs> Having someone else be treated as a human does not make your life any less <laughs> good. Um, and, and just, and once, like, like you said, if someone has struggled just because you've struggled in your way nobody's saying you haven't struggled everyone struggles relative to their own situation we all have struggles but that doesn't take away from the struggle of someone else like we should all be helping lift each other up not tell say i've struggled too you don't deserve any help yeah and i mean not to get too political but now that just reminds me of the whole argument of like free health care quote unquote free health care where yeah. or, or socialized health care where people are like you know, I had to work hard to get my, you know, healthcare through employment, and now yeah. these people are just going to get it without having to work. First of all, most of them are working; they're just not getting it through their employment. But yeah. it doesn't—you shouldn't have had to work to get it. And I'm glad. Exactly. That, but if you're proud of doing that, you can still be proud of it because you still did that. You still accomplished that. Yeah. It's not removing your accomplishment. It's just. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. No, the nobody wants somebody to get for free what they had to work for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just be, just because something is the law doesn't make it right. <laughs> and, like, this the fact that we don't have, you know, like people who were talking about uh, college tuition re- uh, refund recently. Yeah, people get mad like, about that too. I had to pay. I already paid off all of my college tuition or, all, you know, all my college debt. Am I going to get that money back? <laughs> Like no, no. It, things have to change 
Yeah. <laughs> things if things are ever going to get better, they have to change one by one. Nobody's going to go back and change everything for for what happened previously. That's not how it works. Um, like we're trying to work for a better society in the future. And if everybody wants to hold on to their I this is the way it was when I was younger bullshit, then we're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. Just just like coal jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but not to get political or anything. Yeah. I'm glad we bookended the political rant with not to get political. Um, but, uh, side note, uh, if you're listening to this before November 3rd, go vote. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> and It's just uh, as an update on the three-minute ad we did that you probably already heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I say I don't care who you vote for. It's kind of a lie, but it's also kind of not a lie because I just I want people to vote. I want people to be engaged in the voting process. And more than anything, I know we kind of said it in our PSA, but vote in local elections more. <laughs> like, just vote in local elections. Like, the kind of stuff, I mean, it's tangential to this movie and the black experience and, like, the kind of stuff that people have to be afraid of mm-hmm. to live in America. Like, if we, we, have to, we have to make things better for everyone and make it feel safe for everybody who lives here so by voting in lo- in smaller elections uh, local elections all the way up don't just vote every four years in the presidential election that will help get the right people elected moving up people that actually represent you and your voice and your ideas and then get to the point where we might actually you know have some people in the senate who will do something and, <laughs> and do something good yeah well, so. well said. Yeah. So now you've heard that ad possibly twice yeah. in this episode. <laughs> if uh, if you're listening before November 3rd. I'm pretty sure those ads stop running after Election Day. I would imagine. <laughs> but so back to the movie, I would like the only other one of the other things I'm seeing in here is like people like wanting immortality and desiring youth and agility and like. You know, when she was checking out the guys, checking out Chris's muscles mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, that'll, that'll do just fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, everybody wants to be young. Uh, everybody wants to be, like, younger and stronger and not be on the death's door, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it also, like, kind of played with that a little bit, but didn't explore that idea too much. Didn't go too far with that. Yeah. But it's something we can all understand, I think. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really the point of the movie, but, yeah, of, no. of course we all understand it so few people are happy with their bodies to begin with and then as the years go on it just gets worse yes i think the uh the moral of that story is uh if you look at how you what you look like 10 years ago or if you look like how how you were 10 years ago and you think that you wish you could have that body back uh don't think about it that way think about what you're going to be looking uh back on 10 years from now and try to appreciate what you have yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the grass is always greener the grass is always greener 10 years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it's it's an interesting concept always but uh, it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> point you bring <laughs> we might need you later um <laughs> we could probably find a movie to actually talk about that with, I don't know, the island, yeah, maybe? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that, that, 
That was one of the things. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one where they keep all the bodies, like, for organ harvesting, right? Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. when Alex and I were talking about Get Out today, because we, we watched it together yesterday, she started talking about the island, and I didn't realize that it's a very similar concept. Hmm. I think I only saw the island once, but I I mean, I remember Me liking it enough, but I never needed to go back to it. It's it's a good concept, but it ends up just being a Michael Bay action movie. Michael Bay movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why that wasn't on the top of our list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's about it from what I had. Yeah, um, me too. Again, a, a, like a fairly simple movie when it comes right down to it, but big overarching like things happen yeah and big you know metaphors going on throughout yeah simple idea or simple movie big ideas yeah i like it i'm a bit ashamed it took me so long to go to watch it but i'm glad i've seen it now (laughs) it will be something i watch again (laughs) good (laughs) i will say uh if anyone liked get out and would like a little bit more dissection on it or at least from a screenwriting point of view you should definitely listen to the lessons from the screenplay video on it and really all of the lessons from the screenplay videos they are really good at dissecting movies and the art of screenwriting and they Mm -hmm. generally do one sort of screenwriting idea per video so in in this one it was about perspective so yeah, and I've I've listened to the one on Goodwill Hunting, and I I enjoyed that one, so I can I can vouch for that mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's nice uh, to to get a specific point of view. It's probably uh, it's probably more in their wheelhouse to talk about very specific like screenwriting techniques more than I'd be able to uh, to speak to myself. But you probably get, take that in a little a little little better than I would. A little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you should absolutely check those out. And then when you're done that, if you want to find us anywhere on the internet, it's uh, Imitating Art Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And it, right. if you want to email us, it's imitatingart1 at gmail.com. Yep, and if you want to find us individually, I'm at Don't Worry, I'm Finite on Instagram and uh, YouTube.com slash Don't Worry, I'm Finite. Yep, and I am Big F and Moose pretty much everywhere. And <laughs> I think you're editing this one, so you, you'll have to keep track of all the accidental subconscious microaggressions, accidental racism that we had ourselves in this episode. Sure, <laughs> and uh, also, it's spooky season. This is our last pre-Halloween episode, oh, yeah, that's but true. we haven't gotten to the scariest thing yet, which is the episode that will be released on the election day. Yep. <laughs> um, we just uh, have to figure out what that is for sure. <laughs> yep, that's what's next. Yep. So anyway, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for making it this far, and thanks for listening as always. Yep, uh, it's been actual. It has been real. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Just happy to beat you to it. Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.